every formula coming at you live from venus uncle dre and auntie chris bring you gangster goddess broadcast dre come on let's go i'm coming did you need down to... the Grammy? Oh, here, did you need your gramophone? <laughs> did you need your gramophone? Here, give a phone call. Hello, someone's calling. Start the <laughs> episode. <laughs> um, we want a Grammy for our podcast. <laughs> yep, that's we right. We'd like to thank all the little people out there for making our show. <laughs> so, try It's beautiful. It's, this thing is dirty. Wait, hold on. Dave, your husband needs to get a sham. Wow. Going we on have this thing. The sham wow. We have such a good follow. We really do. <laughs> you it's guys amazing. have been so good to us. I know. Grammy. Oh okay, let's get to um, it. Anyway, <laughs> here we are. We're back. Part two B. of the. Listen, Kushner. <laughs> Welcome B. to Gangster Goddess Broadcast with Uncle Dre and, and Auntie Chris. You're like, why Uncle Dre and Auntie Chris? Why? Because know. I have a filthy, filthy mouth and I'm known for and it. And I have to keep her in line. So there you go. And she's Auntie Chris, you know. I'm she's Auntie Chris. Yeah. I could be everybody's aunt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You remind me of my aunts, the way your laugh is. Yeah. That like I, I an hear old your lady, laugh an around old the table eating brajol and sausage. <laughs> Here we are. Let's we're back. Um, yes, we're still a Soprano rewatch, but we're not there yet, guys. We're exploring other things right now, like Mr. Michael Francis. But you know what? Did we I will- say it wrong? Wait, hold on. You know when we will be there? We'll be there next week. Yeah, next week. So next, next week. week, make sure to tune in because we're doing episode season two, episode one rewatch. Yes. Yeah. With are. a little bit of extra flavor. It's not what you're... You know, it's familiar, well, but it's not exactly the same. It's a little spicy. I also didn't want to open with um, our Soprano rewatch, especially because in that episode, it's just a lot of setting up of the series for the season. So th- there's not too much stuff for us to get into. Yeah. I would have rather just gotten into um, this relate situation like Michael Francisi. He relates his life and the history of his mob world to um to help people, yeah. he uses the story to help people now. He's a motivational speaker, and um. Well, for people who didn't listen to our first episode of Gangster Goddess, this is Go a Chris. special segment that we are going to do from time to time with special guests, whether they're friends, whether whoever, um, that has a really, tr- a really great tragedy to triumph story or you know in a way where they pivoted and they they were able to turn their life around or stood up for something that we've all you know inspiring stories or gone through an illness yeah like like i've gone through it um Um, but we all have these stories and this is where this idea was born from because of our stories how we walk through the fire yeah and how you know and we're always constantly learning and changing and evolving we make a lot of mistakes along the way mm-hmm. and our guest michael francis Exem- made a lot of yeah. mistakes along the way he was uh, for people who haven't watched part a of the story um or part 1 of, our, one of his interview <laughs> Yeah. He was one of the highest paid mob bosses. Uh, mo- no, I'm sorry. Mob Captains. Ca- ca- he was a capo, capo regime. Yeah. Um, in the mafia in the 80s. And he went away for eight years, which is also, it's him going away for eight years is almost as crazy as him making $8 million a week from a, um, a, pro- a pa- wholesale, wholesale mm-hmm. propane tax scam from <laughs> defrauding the government, which yeah. is. I mean, I'm not mad at that one. Got to be honest. <laughs> well, he gets into it, and the first ep- the the other um, episode was so great with him. He was just amazing, yeah. so charismatic, just a great guy. And then we we made it two parts because we didn't expect to have him as long as we did. But he'd never interviewed with women before, yeah. only men, and men just want his mafia story, and we just wanted to get underneath everything, so like in. women do, you know, because we're like detectives. Yeah. So I'm sure he was like, great, I got the FBI on my trail again. <laughs> we just Here got we more, are, we just got the more GGB. Personal. Yeah, we get we get a little bit more personal. We like all those little tidbits. Yeah, and he even told us that that it would be fun because we, we're, we're so interested in, you know, we don't want to just talk to um, famous people. I know a lot of people just want interviews with famous people, and I understand that, and I think that's great. And we great. will have some. We will, but of we course. also really want to talk to just people. 
in, like friends of ours or friends of friends. We want to hear people's stories, people, real people's stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that we're not real people. We're real people. But um, I mean, it could be everything from someone going through a divorce to, you know, some any story. Yeah. Anyway, that needs to be cut. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Any need to be. story. Well, all we do is talk about what needs to be cut. And guess what? We're just going to leave those no, things in now. I don't like that. Yes, no. Come on, you stop have being, to let me. Everything do, doesn't have to Jesus be perfect. Right? Doesn't have to there's be perfect. There's an evolution no. to things. I know, but there's it's something. Great. People like the mistakes. They like the really? dirt. They have like the lighting. Does the lighting have to be perfect? Yes. Oh Jesus! <laughs> lighting. Everything has to, to be, be perfect. We're fifty. I will hammer you. The right lighting now. has okay, to be perfect. Anyway, we're oh getting... my god, I cursed. I'm not supposed to curse for four episodes straight. Yeah, right. I'm trying. Mm-hmm, that won't I'm trying to grow here. Anyway, I'm now so we have a raucous podcast, and I can't stop. I can't stop cursing. I'm talking okay. about the series. I'm Please excited me about out. this. We're talking over each other. It's terrible. It's <laughs> I love you, Kushner. Okay, let's I go. Let's too. let's go to the videotape of Michael Franzi's. Ooh, that was good. I have one question to ask you before before we move into the Soprano Land, and it's about um, the the Omerta. And I know yours was on Halloween night, and I know um, I ju- I'm just curious about why. Because also because you're a religious man, and but this is a Catholic thing. Why do they burn oh, the yeah. face of the saint? I know it's always a different saint. Like the Drangheta is Saint Michael, and I mean, in America, it was maybe St. Francis and the Virgin Mary. Why, why the burning of the saint's face? You know, it was just, it, it was actually with me, it was a Catholic altar card um, that they burned. And it's, it's merely symbolic to show you the seriousness of what you're getting involved in. And I, I don't know that they had any other way to show that other than drawing blood and burning a saint. You and drew that's blood the, as well? I yeah, that, that was the explanation. Mm-hmm. I mean... Because I, I got to tell you, it is a very solemn ceremony, and it's it's made to be very imposing. They wanted you to know the seriousness of what you were getting involved in, and um, I mean, it's a night I'll never forget. It's obviously emblazoned in my brain, um, but it, it's very serious in that regard. And you you realize at that point that you know you're committing your life to something, and you just better toe the line. Yeah, I got it. I got it. You know. And, you know, when that happens, they don't tell you any. You don't know anything. You know, I'm a recruit for about a year and a half, almost two years. And um, just one day, I, I meet me at tonight and wear a suit. But I heard that a thousand times, you know, yeah. tonight and wear a suit. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> okay, tonight's it. Tonight's the night. And, um, you know, we, where I got made, it was uh, Anthony Colombo had a, uh, a catering hall in Brooklyn. Um, and we did it there that night. Obviously, you got to look for a secure place. So that was the place that night. And uh, there were six of us, you know, I went in and we took it individually. And here's the uh, here's the stat that you'll realize when I say I'm fortunate. Um, that was in 1975. Uh, the other five that took the oath with me, they're all dead. And every one of them were murdered. Jesus. Because we had two wars in our family since. A lot of guys were killed. And these five were among them. So you're the only you're the only man walking. Yeah. Out, wow. of, out of that group, yes. Do you have security now? Do you have to at all? You know, you know when I go certain places that I feel I need it, yeah, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I, I don't ever thumb my nose in anybody's face and I don't sell anybody short. I know guys are capable of. But, um, you know, I really don't think that I have that to worry about at this point. What I do believe, you know, it, it's like anything else, ladies. You know, when you reach a, a you know, when you're popular or whatever the word is, when you're out there and you're in a genre like I'm in, somebody want to make a name for themselves. You know, somebody wants to be a hero. I mean, we see it happening, you know, at various times in life. So those are the things that I think that I have to concern myself more than with my former associates. And so, you know, we're mindful of that. We, we certainly prepare for that when I need to. So what what are the rankings? So when you when you get made, you go in as a is it a soldier? soldier. Yes, soldier. And and so you made it up to captain. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody hears about the ranks and as lieutenant. Yeah. And soldier. No, I mean from the top down, it's the boss, the mm-hmm. underboss. Which your father was right. Yeah. Your father was my, underboss. My dad was. 
So boss, underboss, consigliere, capo regime, or captain, and soldier. That's it. And uh, those are the, the official categories of being a made man. What is Tony Soprano now that um, Junior's in jail? What did they cross his name out in this episode? <laughs> I don't well, know. he's the acting boss now, right? I think yeah. he took over for Junior. So that's an official position. Okay. They, they write street boss on there. That was the... Well, that, that's, that's actually not true because actually a capo regime is a street boss. Because oh, the, okay. Yeah, the boss assigns him with a number of soldiers and he's their immediate supervisor. So Tony would have been an acting boss, not not the street boss. And, you know, when uh, when Junior got out, then he's the official boss again. Got it. Got OK, it. now, just so that our, our people that are watching know this, Forbes listed Michael as the highest paid mafia boss when he was 35 years old. Um, and I, I know we didn't really talk about the propane um, gas um, scam, scam the, the whole wholesale gas scam which is one of my I'm sorry it's one of my favorite things only because you weren't hurting anybody you were just screwing the government and you know there's something in that for me you yeah. know there's because I think the government's very corrupt corrupt these days so I have a you know my affinity for all of that is but anyhow, I, I, I won't talk about anything like that. Chris doesn't like when I talk about politics, and I won't. I, this is not that type of show. <laughs> like, I know. I'm not going to. <laughs> but I like the fact that that's – I do like the fact that that's what you did. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got um, to tell you this, you know, and I, I probably get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have – yeah, I mean, I defrauded the government out of tax and every gallon of gasoline and we drove prices down at the pump, so we were really heroes for the ordinary people yeah. filling their car oh, with yeah. gas. But um, you know, I'll be in a church, and questions come up here and then. And I and I once stated in church, it was a big church, several thousand people, there, and I said, "Look, I'm going to be honest with you. As I stand here on this stage and I speak to you all, and you heard my testimony, I do not have a moral issue with stealing money from the government." Right yeah, now. I'm with you. I'm yes. with you. We th we deserve it. I, yeah, I said, point. but I won't do it because well, I'm not going to break the law us. now. Yeah. But you know what? When I say this, they clap. People clap because yeah, right, right. <laughs> the government's not high on everybody's, you know, I like them list, so to speak. No, yeah. so, uh, but but, um, I mean, but what, what is it? Was it one? It was how much was you were making $8 million a week in, well, in okay. tax? Yeah, I want to clarify that now. And then kicking up the $2 million to the family. Yeah, at the height of our operation, we were, we were selling about a half a billion gallons of gas a month. We were oh taking down God. 20 to $0.40 cents a gallon, depending upon the deals we made. So we were bringing in 5 8 sometimes $10 million a week. That was coming into our operation. Didn't all go in my pocket. And I was paying up $2 million a week to the family, you know, which they were entitled to because that's the deal I made. But... You know, I'm, I'm not complaining. I was putting a lot of money in my pocket at that time, but that's what we were grossing at that point in time. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. How long did that span of time last for that that, that you were making that amount of money? For about it, it, We built it up over a period of time for a total of eight years, but the big money started coming in year two and three. What relates to this episode, too, is this whole big pussy issue, even though his his he's getting pinched for um for drugs which is not what your what your work was about exactly. but um but i know that you were called in at one point because the family didn't feel as though you were kicking up enough money because you were making so much money all eyes were on you and you went to that meeting not knowing if you were going to come <sighs> back out um yeah yeah it was um you know, just to build up to that, there was a story in one of the local newspapers, I forget which one it was, that said that I was becoming powerful enough to break away from the Columbos and start my own family. It was a fictional oh. story. There was no truth to it whatsoever. It was ridiculous. And then this, it said that I was bringing down $2 billion. I, I don't, it, was, it was a crazy story. <laughs> They're putting a price tag on your head, the story. Yeah, but what happens yeah. in that life, you know, I had a big crew. I had the Russians were involved with me and I was you know, doing fairly well. So it gets into people's heads. Yeah. And you know, yeah. even my boss at the time, he was starting to wonder like, what's going on with this guy? So they, they brought me in and it, it was scary. You know, I don't mind saying it. It was very scary because I knew the setup, the setup was bad. And, um, you know, I had to walk from, um, we, we were at meeting at a person's house because my boss at the time was on parole. This had to be a covert meeting because he didn't want to get violated. 
So it was midnight or close to midnight. It was a summer day. It was in August. And um, we parked the car in Brooklyn, I mean, at the curb. And I had to walk down to a basement apartment in that house. And when I got out of the car, the guy that drove me, who was a good friend, another captain, he got behind me. And then there was somebody sitting in the back seat that I really wasn't too familiar with. I'm assuming they both were in lockstep behind me. So I'm saying, you know what? This is bad. This is bad said, news. This is it. Mm-hmm. I'm not walking this room. I'm not going to walk out again. And you know, when I when I relay this story, it happens every time. I mean, I can I can hear the the crickets chirping and I can oh. smell the, the flowers. I mean, mm. it was that real to me. And people have said, you know, why didn't you cut and run? You could have ran. And it wasn't heroic. It was just robotic. I was so yeah. much a product of that life that I just said, okay, if this is it, this is it. And uh, believe me, I don't know how I didn't faint when that door opened up because <laughs> I was worried. I was very, very worried. But, you know, here I am. I mean, it worked out that night. And, um, you know, I talked, we talked about it. And, and uh, I think it was more to scare me than anything else into making sure they knew who, that I knew who was boss. Like right. I didn't know, right? Right. <laughs> oh, that's scary. And then, of course, uh, it's scary and it's real life. And I'm, I'm, I feel for you, but at the same time, you're explaining it in such a way where I'm watching your TV show already eating popcorn on yeah. my couch because yeah. of the way you just explained it. Yeah. yeah um, it, you're, you're an awesome storyteller, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a tough night, you know, but it, it prepared me for later on. I mean, you don't realize sometimes you do th- experiences you have in life prepare you for later on, because when I walked away, I mean, everybody said I was going to get killed. I mean, it, FBI told me, you know, you're a dead man anyway. I mean, that's all I kept hearing uh, for a long time. And I knew that I'd have some trouble, but I was prepared for it. And I said, so you know, what happened in that room? What did they, did they say anything well, to it, you? Yeah, it was a big, you know, I hear you making all this money and, mm. and blah, 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 and back and forth. And they were questioning me. And, and I had Russian partners that were very loyal to me. And they didn't know that I knew that they sent some people to speak to these Russians. And they told me about it. They were very loyal to me. So I knew what was going on. But at one point, I got mad because I started to get mad because I said, look, I said, I'm showing you guys more money than you've ever seen in your life, number one. I'm taking all the risk. I brought this deal in, number two. Number three, they write a story in the newspaper. We always say the newspapers lie, but now that they're saying it about me, it's the truth. I said, there's no nonsense story. You're and uh, trying to shake you, you down. Know, yeah. When I started to get a little upset, then I caught myself. I said, wait a minute, I'm talking to the boss here. You don't get upset with the boss ever, you know, Mm-mm. no matter what the situation <laughs> is. You don't do ah. that. So yeah. I caught myself. And then when it was over, um, you know, okay, great. And then I hug it and let's have a glass of wine and everybody's fine. And I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to get out of there. I was really <laughs> mad. That sure? I, I want to tell you the continuation of this story that people don't know. The guy that drove me there was another cop. It was a very close friend of mine. And when I got in the car, I got very upset with him because I said, you knew that because he turned to me because he was driving me back to my car. I had driven in from Long Island. And I said to him, um, I, I was about to get upset with him. And he said, Mike, before you start, I want to tell you something. I said, why? He said, you did real good in there tonight because this could have been a real problem for you. So when he said that to me, I got really upset with him. I said, "You, I know you all my life. You're my dear friend. You know that I got this trouble. You don't prepare me. You don't warn me. You don't say anything to me on the ride over here. I said, what kind of a friend are you? And he looked at me, and I'll never forget. And he said, well, let me ask you this. If it was the other way around, would you have told me? Yeah. And, you know, I thought about it a minute, and I said, no. No. He said, no. you know this life better than anybody. You grew up in it. And, boy, did that... That hit me like a ton of bricks, <sighs> a ton of bricks. I said, wow. God, you no, don't have anybody. This. No. You don't have anybody no. watching out for you. That's a crazy thought. Like, he, this well, that's guy- what that, that final episode of The Sopranos. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, he's just going to be forever looking over his shoulder. And yeah. that's why we were so curious about you and your story. And if you feel like that in your life, um, even shortly after coming out and, and reforming, and 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 readjust, we like to say, you know, busted and readjusted, readjusting your life. Mm-hmm. Um, how long it took for you to not have to look over your back anymore? Well, you know, I don't want to give you the impression that I lived in fear because I didn't. Maybe because I was so 
conditioned being in that life. So it wasn't a fearful thing. I always had confidence that I'd be able to, you know, deal with the situation. But um, for a couple of years, I was very mindful of where I went, who I was around. Um, very, very mindful of it. And I was very disciplined as a result. I didn't want to take any chances. So that lasted a couple of years. But then I knew, you know, when my father and I patched it up because we didn't speak for about 10 years. Oh, you didn't? No, we didn't, you know, mm. and uh, I knew I understood why, you know. Um, but then he sent for me when it, when he got out on parole again and I was on parole. He sent for me. He said, I want to see you. And I said, OK. He said, meet me at such and such a place. And I said, no, Dad, I'm not meeting you anywhere. I'll meet you at the house. It's the only yeah. place I'm going to meet you. Because were you afraid? In a, little, in a little way, I didn't trust my father 100. Uh, percent You know, wasn't and it, there? Didn't that some, some with John Jr. and your dad? Wasn't that a? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you that my my brother ended up cooperating and testifying against my dad. But you know, my brother wasn't a made guy. He was a street kid and drug addict. He had a lot of trouble. But so I said to my dad, uh, "I'll meet you at the house at your house." He's well. We're both on parole. I said, "Dad, I know how to evade the cops. Don't worry about it." I said, "I'll meet you early in the morning," and he said, "Okay." So I'll be there at five thirty a.m. So he was living in Long Island at the time. I'll never forget. I knock on the door, five thirty in the morning. I walk in, and he looks at me. First words out of his mouth after we haven't spoken for ten years. He looks at me and he says, "If you'd have listened to me, you'd have been the boss of the Colombo family." <laughs> and I said, I was like stunned. I said, dad, have you been in like the twilight zone or something? That's not where I'm headed, dad. And he said, okay, let's talk about it. And that's, that's how we broke the ice. And, uh, and then our relationship repaired because we talked about it. And I said, dad, you know, I was never going to hurt anybody. That's not what I was about. I said, but I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. I, I, I spoke to the police about my life, about what I did. I wasn't implicating people in trouble. I said, that's not what I was about. You know that. He said, well, I knew that, but, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, you might have put me in a situation. I said, Dad, I would never endanger you in that way. Believe me, I know you proposed me. You sponsored me. I'm not going to put you in any kind of trouble in that way. I said, and you're, you've got enough juice in the family, you know, to, to hold your own as long as mm -hmm. I didn't go the distance. And, you know, I wasn't going to do that. Now, my brother, it's a different story. He didn't have the, the standing to hurt my dad. He didn't have the knowledge, I mean, to hurt my dad among the other people. Like, mm -hmm. it was kind of a black eye for my father that his son became, you know, a real informant, mm -hmm. testified against people, put people in trouble. But they also mm -hmm. knew my brother had a tremendous drug problem. They also know he was a street kid. He wasn't a made guy. My dad didn't confide in him about things mm -hmm. that, you know, he wouldn't confide in unless, you know, like he would confide in with me. So it didn't cause him that level of, of a problem like I could have caused him. So yeah. when you and your dad were estranged, that was while you were in prison. And then did you reform your, did you make this change in your life and make this decision? I'm not coming back to this life while you were in jail. Was it in those first nights in solitary confinement, you knew when you were coming out that you were leaving the life. Is that when your dad stopped talking to you? Well, yeah, pretty much. It was, um, I, that cemented <laughs> my decision. When I got out of prison in 95, I said, that's it. And it already became public that I had walked away and, you know, all of that stuff. So I already had the trouble. And that's the reason they kept me in lockdown. You know, they said I was in administrative detention because it was all over the you know, place that I was going to get killed. And the Bureau of Prisons didn't want to take responsibility for that. So they locked me down for my own protection. And, you know, they put me through the, you know, the FBI was upset with me. So that was kind of punishment. Um, and I got it. I understood that that's what I was going to face. But. Um, yeah, because you wouldn't well, implicate anybody. You wouldn't, you would not hand anyone over. You only, yeah. you had enough heat on yourself that you could talk enough about your own, um, your own crimes, but you, you just never, you never ratted anybody out. You know, I didn't want to go into the witness protection program. I said, look, if I'm walking away from the life, I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm not doing it because I'm mad at anybody. I'm not taking a revenge on anybody. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of these informants, you know, I don't want to, you know, they, they testify, they do all of that and they're mad at somebody or they're blaming somebody or the life turned on it's them. It's revenge. They're, they're yeah. The same stuff. But I wasn't mad at anybody. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, even though I had this incident with the boss, that wasn't going to cause me to, 
you know, to turn on people, you know, ladies, you got to understand, you have to know with that life, what you face when you get in, there is a lot of treachery. There's no question. You know, I saw people die for the wrong reasons. I saw people in trouble for the wrong reasons. It's part of the life and you kind of have to accept it and try to navigate through those waters. And, um, you know, unfortunately, as far as I'm concerned, I had the best teacher in the world and my dad, my dad yeah. taught me the ropes in this life. And he was my counselor. He was my guidance. You know, when, when my dad, I don't know if you know this, but at one point in time, my dad, they broke him from, uh, from being a capo. They put him back down as a soldier. And I was a capo at that time. And I really took offense to that. Oh, you can do that. They can put yeah, you oh, back yeah, down to the rankings. Wow. Boss, boss has total control over that. And when they did that, I was very upset. And yeah. they did that under the guise that they were protecting my father because he kept getting violated. And they said, so to protect him, they're going to take responsibility of being a couple regime away from him. So he wouldn't have to deal with his men and so on and so forth. But for me, I believe it was because we would be getting very well known and very powerful mm -hmm. in our own regard. And they were just putting my father in his place. So I said, dad, we can't allow this to happen. I was ready to do something, retaliate. And he said to me, Michael, bide your time. This, this life is like a wheel. Things turn. He said, this is not our time. To consider it a, a tactical retreat and not a defeat. And we didn't, we're not losing the war. So he always talked sense Smart into man. me even yeah. when I got a little crazy because he, he understood the life better than anybody that I knew. And so he, he was my balance. Um, and so I appreciate that. You know, he taught me well in, in that life. And, um, you know, but again, I wasn't mad at anybody. It wasn't like I wanted revenge on anybody. I just wanted mm -hmm. out of the life. So, look, I will tell you this. It could get me in trouble. But I, you know, I kind of manipulated. Don't get in trouble. Don't get no, in no, trouble yeah. over here. I, I kind of manipulated the government and letting them think I might go along. But then when push came to shove, I wouldn't go you along. You didn't, yeah. Hey, Dre, you may know. Do you know the name John Riggy? No, why Why do I know that name? Oh, that he, was a, he was a boss in New Jersey. Mm -mm. He, he was a very dear friend of mine. And um, when I was on parole, I get picked up by the marshals and I get brought into New Jersey to testify in a trial against John Riggy. And I said, what is this all about? John Riggy and I had a deal where we were partners and we were getting attacks on every window that was coming into every office building and apartment building in Manhattan. You had to pay us a tariff on it, right? He and I were partners. <laughs> We had a this third is one party. of the businesses of yours I don't know about. No. <laughs> it, was kind of it wasn't very, really well known. But he was indicted in a racketeering case, and that was one of the major charges. Well, our third partner um, was a guy that was on trial with me in the Giuliani case. He ended up getting convicted. It gave him 30 years, and he became an informant. So he implicated John and me in that case. Now, I had spoken to the government about that because as part of my plea agreement, I had to tell them what I did. So I told them I had this window deal, but I never mm -hmm. implicated Riggi. So they brought me in and they said, um, you're going to have to testify in this case. Hyman, the third guy, told us all about it. And we're going to put you on the stand. And if you if you lie, um, uh, we're going to indict you for perjury. Now, I knew they couldn't indict me for perjury. But anyway, I said, put me on the stand, but I'm going to hurt your case. This was my deal. I did it all. Mm -hmm. Riggy had nothing to do with it. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, contradict your major informant. Well, they sent me back. They didn't put me on the stand. And word got out. Riggy put the word out that, um, hey, they brought Michael in and he refused to testify. So that helped me a lot because guys were saying, you know, they got this guy on a witness stand, but he never came in against anybody. <sighs> so you were like the phantom. The they did that. I didn't. Yeah. Do it. You're a real stand up guy. Well, you know, look. I mean, a real stand-up guy. It, it wasn't a question of standing. You know, it's a question. I, I, it was difficult for me to hurt my friends. I, yeah. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I didn't have a conscience to do that. It I didn't would never want, hurt you. I didn't want my father to be degraded to that point or embarrassed because I cared about him so much. He was such a major part of, of everything that I am today, good and bad, I guess, but mostly good, I, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I say you're a stand-up guy, I don't even mean just in terms of that one thing. It's everything. It's your the whole thing, the whole evolution of your life into you know up to now, up to where you are now. It's some pretty um, you're a stand-up guy.
there aren't the, there aren't too many of them out there. I mean, you have you have the same wife, you have a bunch of beautiful kids, and mm-hmm. I mean, well, listen, far from perfect. I will tell you this: you know, a major part of that is having, and I I mean this, is having good people around you that keep you accountable. And my wife doesn't Absolutely. take any nonsense from me. You know, she said, "Look, I went through eight years of stuff, and we went through a lot of stuff throughout all of this." You better tell the line. And she means it. And, um, you know, my kids hold me accountable. Honestly, they don't want to see me get in trouble. Um, And so, you know, that's important to me. And, of course, I'm a person of faith. So you can't be. Look, I make a lot of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We're all human. Perfect. And just get them on the line here and they'll tell you that. But I'll keep (laughs) them away from that. But, um, you know, I try. I, well, I think we're all here to learn. Definitely all here to learn. And I've heard you say that you wouldn't change your life because it made you who you are today. And I feel that way about my life. Too. She's been through a lot of hardships as well. And, you know, if we weren't, if we didn't walk through those fires, we wouldn't be the people that we are today. And we wouldn't have the stuff that we have to offer. And I know that you help a lot of people now. Um, I heard you talking about what, what your purpose was and... Of course, I even found that more interesting than, um, you know, the stories like, you know, where's Jimmy? You know, do you know where Jimmy Hoffa's buried? And was the mob connected to JFK's murder? And, yeah. you know, all these questions that I know you're used to having to dodge or a- answer, and et cetera. But um, I guess with life's purpose, it also relates back to The Sopranos in a huge way because you've never seen a, a mob um, genre st- uh, movie or TV show talk. Well, there was never another TV show, but a movie talking about where the the one of the characters want to know what their life's purpose is. Where's my arc? Where Christopher's like, where's my arc? I don't have an arc. And then he tries to find Adriana an arc with the music industry, and no, everybody's yeah. looking for their their place, their purpose. And um, and Tony Soprano too. I'm, I'm a terrible husband. I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible um, friend. He was saying yeah. this in the last season. Um, and now we get into this season and time has passed mm-hmm. and the Sinatra songs playing and you're into this montage. But, um, but yeah, I guess what, I guess I would want to ask you, I would be interested to know what you feel like your life's purpose was in having lived the life that you lived and what the meaning behind that is. Cause she and I are super spiritual I don't know about religious, but I guess we are religious in our spirituality. I love that, that you talk stuff. about, Oh, uh Oh. Michael, can we hear you? I'm here, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, okay. okay. There's Lots weird, weird noises, noises happening in our ears. <laughs> she talks about us like we're one. We. We. <laughs> we. <laughs> you know, sisterhood is important. Yes. And you know what that's like because of bro- your brotherhood. And that's I'm right. sure, and, and I've heard you say that you missed, that's the one thing that you did miss from those days was the brother you, the brotherhood you had with the, yeah. with your boys and but again, you know, you guys couldn't always have each other's backs because of the line of work you were in. So you never really knew what was going on. Like your like your friend who drove you to, you know, to your boss's house. Um, she and I are, are, you know, because we're not real gangsters. We just think we're gangsters. We think. Well, we think you, we're, want we're to know the, you want to know what happened? I mean, this was a horrible thing. That fellow, Jimmy, who was a good friend, like I said, a lifelong friend, uh, about two years later, they walked him into a room and he never walked out again. Mm. Oh. I'm sure. The irony in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. My parents have told stories like that my whole life with all their friends. My dad would, I would say, dad, how come you don't have friends? He goes, they're all in jail. Everybody's in jail now. Or dead. Yeah. I mean, you can do this with us or not, but we don't really have to go through everything. I think we talked about a lot about how, what the, how the episode, I mean, there, we can ask you a few questions about the episode, which, um, one's like, what, and not even the episode, but so because I'm here and it's my character, Adriana. Um, did you ever see that before where there was a female informant? Um, I know that in the Trigger Mike world, that was a thing. I don't know if you know that far back in, in, in the mafia history, but he did have his wife murdered and then he had his daughter. He tried to murder his daughter, but then she moved to Italy and she testified against him. A lot of drugs at play. And these were the people that ran with my grandfather because they were wholesaling mm-hmm. heroin. Um, so that's a dirtier world, obviously. I mean, but um, have you ever seen anything like that in your time where there were any women behind the scenes having an influence or getting um, in trouble? I mean, Adriana never snitched. That was the thing. People always, I walk down the street, you're a rat, you're a rat. I'm like, she never said anything. 
They never even checked to see what she gave up and they just sacrificed her. But artistically, it was a great choice. But right. would that normally happen that quickly without really giving it much thought? You know, it, it, the answer to that is, well, it's twofold. It would depend who was the boss or who was making the rules at that moment. Different people react in different ways to that. Some people take a wait-and-see attitude or investigate it a little bit further, and some people say, I'm not taking a chance. Get it over with. Um, but rarely, if ever, did I see a woman involved to the point where she would be in trouble, that she would know something that can get somebody in trouble. Um, it was it was frowned upon. You know, we kind of, I have to say that we kind of respected our women in that regard. Now, some guys, you know, acted silly with their gumadas or their girlfriends and they maybe told yeah. them a little bit more than they would tell their wives. Yeah. If they had. And, and. But that was frowned upon. It really was. Um, and I never personally experienced that. Now, I know in our family, there was a woman who got killed. Um, and I didn't know her personally, allegedly, because she knew too much and was about to snitch. Forget her name even. But um, I, I didn't experience that. I really didn't. And I, mean, I, never, there... I never said anything to any women. Wow. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of women would get sick of the life and, and try to get out in some ways, or if they were wronged with gumades or whatever. But then again, they know this is part of the life. So I don't really know that it really matters. But when I, you know, I've been studying the whole Calabrian mob in, in Italy right now, which is, mm -hmm. which is a whole other thing. And the, the women there, it's a, it's a whole different thing, the way the women are treated and, and stuff. It's, it's not like, you know, it is here in America. That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, and I don't mean this, I don't want to get in trouble with feminists out there, but it's not. No, don't worry about it. We're, yeah, we're, not, you can say anything with us. Yeah. Right. It's, not, <laughs> it's not a life for a woman at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's beneath women. And I believe that because there's too much stuff that goes on that ladies should not be involved in, in any way. Of course. And, yeah. and again, it's not a, not a knock on, not saying women aren't capable or any of that. It's just, they shouldn't be certain things they shouldn't be involved in. And that's one. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, well, especially because of the, the, their placement in that world. Yeah. Um, you know, could you imagine you and I being in, I mean. I mean, just you, seeing somebody <clears throat> killed. I mean, if a woman cheated on her she's, husband, she's killed. Yeah. And, and that, but that's in Italy. It's not, I don't know about here, but, um, you know, the men are cheating on the women all Constantly. the time. So it's a whole different thing. I mean, were there but, any mob guys that were, were not cheating? Does everybody have a guma? <laughs> In the mafia, Jeez, I mean, like, my, 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 I mean, there's that scene in the in the Sopranos where he's putting his clothes in the hamper. I mean, in the in the in the, in the washing yeah. machine. That's a famous. That's the perp walk. That was my grandfather. That was Joe Babes. That my grandmother would. You smell like a whore right now. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was part of the life, unfortunately. And yeah, you know what could I say? I mean, we're, we're not proud of it now for sure, but it was part of the life. I mean, I. We we lived it every day. So that's honestly. true. What what about the you know, therapy? Look, you made you part of that life, as as you know. I mean, I was in a club six nights a week. Six yeah. nights a week, we were out, you know, in a club, and that's how I lived for years and years. And it's not a good lifestyle, you know. I mean, things happen in a club, and you know, the atmosphere is though good, and there's people around all the time. So it's just part of the part of the life. Yeah. I was going to say, what about the therapy? We see a, a constant theme in The Sopranos about Tony trying to hide the fact that he's going to see a therapist. Was that a thing with the mafia? Is oh, that true? He's, he's going to say that. He's going to tell get. Me, he's going to hit me. the button. Yeah, is that it? Is it what? It, what Here's kind of the thing, and accurate or not accurate? Heard you say this because I always <laughs> I ask about Sopranos all the time. One of the major questions I get asked when I do a Q and A: If a mob boss was ever visiting a psychiatrist. He'd be in the trunk of his car by the end of the week, <laughs> along with the psychiatrist. That oh, my God. Ever... <laughs> okay. No. I know. No, because, you know, what are you telling a psychiatrist? You know? <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about? And, uh, no, yeah. that would be an immediate red flag, and he'd be taken down quickly. Anybody, <laughs> but especially. Also, it would be a sign of weakness, too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially the boss. I mean, any yeah. soldier or anybody, would that would be death now, no doubt. Yeah, because they show like everybody's going, and like Paulie says he's going at one point too. Well, I think when everyone, been, it's I quick. think they're all just trying to say, "Look, man, we all have these feelings. We yeah. all 
have these dark nights where we don't, you know, how do you handle your stress? I yeah. mean, I mean, I don't well, know. How do you- I still have it in my head because of that, that psychiatrist therapy, what are you talking about? You know, I couldn't even really, yeah. And, and my, my wife even gets mad at me. So what are you talking about? Therapists are good. And I said, that's weakness. You don't need therapy. And I've been, my kids get oh mad. Oh my God. And they yeah. say, yeah. Because you, of that mentality that I've had that you it's never. It's a male thing though too. It's really, it's, it's even my, well, aunt, my ex used to say that too. And he's a Southern boy. So I think, I definitely think it's more of a male. It's an old timey male thing. But then again, my dad was in therapy because my yeah. mother made him go. You know, that was the, and he didn't yeah. want to go. It's like, uh, it's a sign of weakness. I always looked at it that way. And, and I'm wrong. I mean, let's face it. People mm-hmm. need therapy. You know, I know depression is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a medical issue. And sometimes mm-hmm. you need therapy to help you get out of it. But I, I never saw it that way because of, you know, I was, my mind was so set in, the, in my ways. You know, when I, the hardest decision I ever had to make in my life was walking away from it. I mean, I'd, I'd go to sleep, walking away, wake up back in. And it was emotionally, it was very trying on me because I felt I was betraying my oath, betraying my dad. And, you know, I was such a product of that life that it was, it just took a long time for me to get over it, really. And these even sometimes, you know, it comes back into my head a little bit. You know, sure. when we had a war in our family and my, I was out on parole. My father called me and he says, stop the baloney. We need you back here. And uh, I was torn to a degree I can't even tell you, you know, and, and I said, look, I, it's one way or the other. And I would have had to break parole to go back when we had this war back in the, in the 90s. Um, but I didn't. And um, it so was strong. very hard. That's so You would have been Silvio. Yeah. You would have been once I thought I was out, they put <laughs> me back in. I can't remember. <laughs> great line. Great line. Oh, my God. <laughs> Godfather. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we got the psychiatrist thing straight. Are are you? Um, yeah. I think I read. Are you a life coach? You're coaching, or what's that yeah. looking like now? Because it's kind of a similar, yeah, it's a similar thing. And I think having your faith, it you know, that's a that's the way you can de-stress without having to talk to a therapist and etc. This and helping other people, yeah, is like is therapy. But what are you, know, you doing you know, in that it's realm? Something that, you know, I mean, I've been doing for years anyway mm-hmm. as, as part of what I do because people, you know, email and message me all the time asking advice. So I think a lot of it had to do with this whole quarantine that we're under. I've had somebody that's been pushing me for quite a while to be really a life business and leadership coach. Mm-hmm. So now we went into it. I've developed a, a website and a program and so on and so forth. And uh, it's really great because I got people coming into a community so that not only do they have access to me, but they have access to one another. And so many issues Mm -hmm. in their lives have been going back and forth. And I've been observing how they've been talking to one another. And then they have access to me, you know, on on a certain basis. And we're doing a lot of of Zoom calls with all of them. And uh, it's been really helpful. You know, people are getting a lot out of it. And I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, encouraging people and and giving them my expertise in whatever way, you know, it's valuable to them. So, um, and it's really building. I mean, we've got a lot of members already in a short period of time. So I'm bringing a team together now of other people that I feel are qualified to help in areas. You know, I've always had a a motto that I've, I've kept uh, that's worked for me. And that is do what you do best and delegate the rest. So I do what my expertise is. That's by the way, I huh? need I need I need you to coach me and we, tell me that we need you for the we, art of negotiation. Oh well, we that's doing, that's yeah. one of the major things I get asked about. We're always. joining. Oh yes, that's, well, that's, we're, that's we're joining. Forget the episode. Let's talk about you, this. Really. Let's you know, do I, it now. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I was thinking and thinking and thinking. I don't know that I've ever been interviewed certainly to this extent, by uh, women before. Great. I, yeah, I said that at the top. I was like, I know you've never been interviewed by a couple of Kiakiadones. Well, <laughs> and it's been great. I mean, you, you both yeah. have been great. So this is the first time, and it's one of my most enjoyable times. Oh, oh good. good. Love that. You can bring your wife and kids on this interview. Yeah. You can bring everybody, and we love it. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to do that. My wife would be a great in- interview for you because oh, you're not asking on. the same stuff. You know, I, I got to tell you something. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe you can help me out here. But one of the questions I get asked, all, I get three questions all the time. 
no matter where I am. Where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? Uh, <laughs> how much money did you have? And where is your money buried? And <laughs> do you ever kill anybody? And wow. I, I think what's, what, what I say is, why are people so fascinated with the killing and the murder? And I said, I asked people, I said, when you know people fought in the war, is the first question you ask them, no. how many people in the war did you kill? Never. You know, how many of the enemy did you kill? But when it comes to our life, there's a fascination with that. And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, that's that's not something that, you know, I, I like to talk about at all. I mean, it's it's one of the horrors of that life. But people are so fascinated. And, you know, to in my view, to your credit, you didn't ask those kind of questions. Well, if you were still in, first of all, if you were still in the mob, nobody would ever no. dare ask you those questions, which was why I said to you early on, we're like the Cusamanos, the mayonnaise, or as they say to Tony Soprano, so have you ever met John Gotti? Yeah. So what was that like? And then Tony Soprano realizes that he's just like a dancing bear for them to get their, their rocks off by listening to these cool mafia stories. Yeah. And he tells this this totally boring, banal story about an ice, uh, cream, ice cream truck. truck. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember that from yeah. season one of The Sopranos. Dude, just yeah. to... Just yeah. to like sort of mess with them. Yeah. And um, so I knew coming He's like, and in. And then I rang the bell and it was so anticlimactic. Yeah. 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 And with you, like, we, you know, we've done some of our research. And plus, we knew about you anyhow. Yeah. And your story is way more significant than, than, than what your past was. You know what I mean? That's the way we see it. As much as we want to ask you the questions about your past, maybe not those questions, but, um, you know, the more female questions, because fe- this is what chicks do. You know, you have a lot of daughters. They want to get under everything. Yeah, and my dad once dig. said, I'm afraid of nobody in this world <laughs> except for one person, my daughter. Yeah. Because you, there was no, I, I was always like, no, tell me the truth, daddy. Tell me the truth, daddy. You it's know? hard, yeah. She's a daddy's girl, the, too. Yeah. It's true. You know, the, the girls are like that. I mean, they come right out. My, my daughter, my youngest one, gosh, I... I, I I'll never forget, I was upset with my son, my Michael Jr. You know, this guy gave me a lot of trouble. He's great now, but we had some tough years with him. And we were going at it one night, and I was really mad at him. My younger daughter came down. She was 19. She said, Dad, you're not the mafia anymore. Stop talking like that. I said, oh. Yeah. You know? I call my dad out like that all the time, yeah. too. And I'm the only one in my family that can talk to him like that, you know? Yeah. And he hears it. He's like, oh, my princess. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a different, there's a different dynamic. Yeah, for sure. I was stunned. You know, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) My sons would never talk to me like that. No. But my daughters, they, what's on their mind, they come out with it and they put me in my place. Yeah. And you listen. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I, most yes. of the time. Sometimes I get a little, I say, all right. Of course. What do you normally do now aside from running and, uh, t- you know, aside from all the motivational speaking and, and traveling a lot, which now I know you haven't been able to travel, but I'm sure people that are listening today are going to want to know what, how you earn your money now. We're not going to ask you where the money's buried <laughs> because that's a stupid question. Yeah. But how do you, how do you earn a living now? And, you know. But yeah, that's basically it. We barely are oh, earning a living at passion? this point. So. Yeah. Well, my passion is in speaking. I, I've been doing that for 24 years, and I do it in every arena. I mean, obviously, I'm in church quite a bit in the ministry uh, uh, platform. Uh, I speak to corporate America quite a bit. Um, I do a lot with uh, sports teams, with both professional and college athletes. I, I saw that. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a major part of what I do. I do a lot of prison work, you know, with a lot of young kids and and so I'm, I, I do a lot on the speaking and I'm, I'm out every week. You know, I've been very fortunate, uh, very prolific in that regard. And then we have merchandise that we sell as a result of that. I'm still writing books. I've written four. I'm on my fifth now. And now we'll be doing this television show. So primarily my income is from speaking. And, uh, and now, you know, we started this platform with the coaching and that's building pretty quickly. And, and just to, that's great. yeah, there is a distinction. There is a free platform, um, you know, to come in on the coaching end, and that's more of the community-based platform. But then the real one-on-one comes, you know, at a different level with me. And uh, I'm devoting a lot of time to that because um, it, a lot of time... We need to join. I think we want to join. I think I'm we should get kidding. a discount. <laughs> you got it. Just- okay, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome to join because, you know, you'd be surprised... Oh, I would love it. ...how many people mm-hmm. are struggling in this life with different things... 
And so many of them are struggling with the same things. I find yeah, consistent yeah. themes throughout. And um, well, that's what really motivated me to do it because I enjoy, look, you know, you get very encouraged when you receive um, messages and emails from people that you don't even know that, hey, as a result of me hearing you and watching you, my life has changed and I've done all of this. And you don't even know these people. You don't even know that they've been seeing you over the years or they heard you speak at a certain place or they've seen you on YouTube or whatever. And it's very encouraging. And I'll do that as long as yeah. God allows me to do it. I, I don't think I'll, I'll retire from that. And then we'll see what happens with the I television show. That. You know, you ladies know the TV business better than anybody. And great and development. Ah. And, but who knows? It's, and then it could go. Sh- but no, it's, this worse, is, it's worse than the mafia. Yeah. It's worse than the mafia. <laughs> it's a tough business. You know what I mean? You know, people say, oh, the worst. how come you don't have a movie and a television show? And they think, well, you just snap your fingers and you got a movie. Yeah, no. Listen, yeah, when no, I was originally in the tough. movie business, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I started out and I had a production oh, I company, know. a distribution company. <laughs> I made a whole bunch of films, but I made it with gas money that I was. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> tax money. Yeah, so I love it. What if you can spend which, your own what money, did you to make put money into? You can make as many movies as you want, you know, but I'm not into that now. You're you uh, loving your motivational speaking, all of that stuff. That was really why we wanted to talk to you even more than. Mm-hmm. And the whole mafia element. I mean, of course, we're the Sopranos and we pivoted on our rewatch where if your wife had watched it, Made Women was was more about it's strictly scene about the scene. show. Mm-hmm. But we relate we relate the show to our lives heavily. Yeah. Um, which is what you're doing in your life. You're relating your 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 story of your past to help people uh, move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we do on the show when we talk about narcissism or you know, different psychological um, disorders or Domestic different relationship yeah. issues, mm-hmm. um, all of those sort of things. So that's kind of our thing. And then we've added this busted and readjustment se- uh, segment where we'll be talking about it within the show, but we'll, we also want to dedicate um, separate episodes to people whose lives have been busted and readjusted and how they, and how they, they made that change. And that's what my, so, that's what um, my life, uh, my wife really liked about the podcast. She said, this is different. And this is, oh, cool. yeah, she really. Oh, great. Oh, great. Well, we're definitely going to have to have her on. So yeah. we will be in touch with Lisa as well. Cause I'm sure she get... has a busted and readjusted <laughs> story. Well, she well, does. Just... Yeah. She, um, yeah. If you're, she's allowed to tell it, you know, Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, so for so many years, people would come to me, you know, after a speaking engagement, Michael, how did your wife stay with you? How did you, I got that question a million times. So I used to go to her because my wife was pretty, pretty private. Right. And I said, would you do me a favor? Would you write a book or do something? I'm tired of these people asking me how you felt about me and how you got through it all. It took me 20 yeah. years to convince her to write the book. 20 years. Oh, did she do she it? She wrote a book. And um, it's funny. I brought it to my publisher and, um, you know, they, they immediately signed up and they said, are you going to co-write it with her? I said, do you think I want a divorce? And, you know, <laughs> I said, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, so. But she That's wrote a so great funny. Book. She really did. And she. Oh, I want to read all of these books. I yeah. Know. Well, if you give me a draw, I'll send you. A, I don't know if you have any of my books, but I'll send you a bunch. No, of I want all of your books. Yeah. I'd, I, I'd be, <laughs> I want, I want everything. <laughs> if we would have had time, I want your wife, I'm going to get the wife's book. I want the wife's book. I want the husband's What's your book. Wife's I want name? the kid's book. I'm just Camille. Camille. Yeah, Camille. I call it Tammy, C A M M Y, but uh, Camille. But yeah, I'll send you a copy of all the books and you got them. And I'm sure Thanks. you'll enjoy hers. She, she's special. Okay, so she'll definitely come and do this with us then. Yeah, because re- remember this I met her on a movie set. She was 20 years old. Oh, I didn't know this. My, yeah, she was a dancer in my movie. Dancer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I met her, fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. I married, we were together for 18 months. She was 21 when I married her in July of, of uh, 1985. I went off to prison in December of 85. We oh married. my God. So it was that soon. What is you got to understand, she had, my wife is Mexican, Mexican-American, brought up in Anaheim, California. She didn't know anything about the mob at all. Nothing. She saw The Godfather once. That was it. I was the first Italian guy she ever met. And then within four months, you know, well, less than that, because right after I met her and we started going out, 
I got indicted and Giuliani trial. And oh, my God. She was thrown yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And then we're married four months and I'm off to prison for eight years. I mean, so it hit her like, you know, like a ton of bricks. She didn't know what to expect. But her mother kept her strong. And, you know, the people, I have to say this, the people in our church were just amazing with her. And, you know, her mother, for some reason, I got to tell you, you'll appreciate this. The minute she saw me, well, not the minute, but, you know, as soon as she mm-hmm. knew I was serious about her daughter, she said um, she put me my name in her prayer book. She prayed for me every day, prayed for me, prayed for me. Because I said to her, I said to her, her name was Irma. I said, Irma, I want to tell you this. I'm going to bring a lot of baggage into your daughter's life. I said, not intentionally. It's just a product of who I am. I said, mm-hmm. but I love her and I promise you I'll never hurt her. And from that moment on, she became my biggest fan. crying. I know. Oh, Big crying. <laughs> I know. Yeah. She became Stop my biggest fan. And throughout all of this stuff, she just held her daughter strong. And she said, hey, you know, this is life and you're going to have to go through it. But, you know, just just keep the faith. And you, you got a good guy there and he's going to get out of prison. And she really was my rock with her daughter because she was young. You know, I mean, come on. And look, she's beautiful and she's out in L.A. and guys hitting on her all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Saying this guy's never going to come out of jail. She went through all of that. Wow, what a strong woman. That's her busted and readjusted. I mean, she went through, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, just to be thrown into that and and stay sane. (laughs) The worst day of my life, other than that night I was put in prison, I I call her up because all I cared about when I was in prison was phone calls and visits. That's it. Of course, yeah. When my dad went away, you'll appreciate this, um, he was in Leavenworth Penitentiary. He was allowed one three-minute phone call a month and one visit a month, eight oh hours. That God. was it. So when you're under that situation, you lose contact with your family because your family, life has to go on. Yes. So the relationship mm-hmm. with my mom went further apart. The relationship with his kids went further apart. And he wasn't the major you know, voice in our family anymore. And I feared that. I didn't want that to happen with my wife and kids. So... I did everything possible to get on the phone with her as often as I could. You know, I got moved to a prison in Terminal Island, California, where I was closer. She could visit me. That's all I cared about. I didn't want my family broken up. And then one day I call her up and I find out that they came and arrested her. <sighs> yes. The, <sighs> the, the, um, the Organized Crime Bureau of L.A., whatever they are, I don't even know what they are. And they were trying to put pressure on me and they arrested her. Now, the case was dismissed and expunged and all of that because it was nothing but nonsense. They work a little dirtier out here. That wouldn't have happened in New York with the police in New York or Jersey. Oh, really? No, I don't think so. They didn't bother families to that extent. But back here, it was different. But Uh when I heard that, I mean, she was devastated, you know? I mean, that never happened to her before. And so She's like, what did I sign up for? She went through (laughs) a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. So she's she's special. (laughs) She'd be a good guest. She's never done that before either. My wife's done done any. Oh, interview. I'll hold her hand. Yes. Yeah. We've never done this before <laughs> either. We don't know what we're doing either. <laughs> we never know what we're doing. <laughs> you're doing great because you're just being you. That's, we're that's we're Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the two totally. of us. <laughs> anyway, thank oh you so God. much. Do you have anything else for him? I don't want to take up too much I don't of his time. Want, I, I feel like we've kept you so long. so long. I don't want to complete. Oh, I okay. have to ask you one question. Oh, this right. is... We'll do one more. So one... I don't want to keep all your time either. But... No, really quick. What's your favorite pasta dish? Uh. But now that I know that your wife's not Italian, you know something? I, I take care of a, I take care of my Nicaraguan nanny, who was my nanny growing up. So Spanish is my first language. Your wife might have told you that if she really? listens to the show. Um, they call me Sorta Rican <laughs> because I grew up in New York. So my friends call me Sorta Rican. Um, so our nanny, I teach her all of the um the the old lady is in her 80s she lives with us but i have a nanny who takes care of the kids who really takes care of my nanny who was my nanny growing up i teach her all the italian recipes and then she makes them better but she does something to them because she's mexican and i don't know what the hell she's doing to them but she won't let me cook in the kitchen anymore she won't let me in the kitchen she's no 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 yo voy a yo voy a hacer esto tú no no me jodes and i'm like okay she makes all of our Italian dishes 10 times better than anything that I could have ever imagined. Does she make you Italian pasta? Does she make you Italian food? 
okay, I got to tell you this in, in real time, she just went to the market. Uh, she's cooking for me tonight. She's going to make, she's a tremendous cook. Okay. Better than you can imagine. And uh, she's making me my favorite pasta tonight. It's a Pomodoro. Yes. I like it very simple. You know, spaghetti okay. pomodoro, you know, mm. yeah, I've eaten everything. We, you know, like you, we know the best Italian food, but she's a terrific cook. And I love one good thing about this whole quarantine thing is that we've been eating home a lot more. Yeah. Oh, we and haven't stopped. Yeah. Because, you know, we go out to eat a lot, but she's been cooking for me. She's a terrific cook and I'm excited about dinner tonight. So, uh, and that, she makes oh, that's all right. spaghetti pomodoro tonight. Yeah, that nice, sounds nice, good. nice, simple, you know. You like a lot of garlic or no? Huh? Do you like a lot of garlic? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we like oh, garlic. Okay. And, yeah, and, we, I can't live you know, without it. I also like linguine and clams and, and, Yum. Shrimp. I'm and starving. Garlic, you know, mm. I'm star. I'm so hungry. We haven't eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all Italian? we care about is food. I am. Oh, my okay. mother's, my mother's full Italian. Yeah. Uh, so you know I'm from you. New Jersey. I've, I've, I've only been here. After college, I moved out to L.A. So. Well, let me tell you something. As Italians, we know this, and I'll say it, but we eat better than anybody else. That's it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We know all the good spots, <laughs> right? Yes. 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 <laughs> anyway. Well, well, great. I, thank I really you so much. It. enjoyed it very much. We're going to be in contact with Lisa and try to get your wife in and maybe you'll come back at the um, season sure. finale or something. That would be great. Sure, de definitely. Get my wife and my daughters too. Yo. Oh, that oh my would God. Be I would love that. The one who wants yes. to be an actress needs to come on yeah. yes. and talk to me. Well, I, you'll appreciate this. You know, there's a little nepotism in the business, but one thing I don't do, I don't ever promote my kids if I don't think they can cut it. And I tell Absolutely, them straight. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know, I'm the same I way. I can make a recommendation, but from that point on, it's up to you. That's yeah. it. Because the industry is not going to treat you any better because of me. You got to earn it. Yeah. But my daughter is terrific. She really well, is. She's, she's Italian. She's I mean, come on. Yeah. She's got to be terrific. Yeah. And I told the writer on this story, I said, look, I said, we have an agreement. Everything's great. I love it. We have a good deal. I said, but part of this deal, you're going to write in a part for my daughter. And good she's going to earn it. You, and they better do it. Said, Done deal. I said, great. That's it. Nice. Oh, I love that. Nice. That's great. I love it. How old is she? She's 20, 22 in next mm -hmm. month. Yeah. Oh, she's a baby. She's, she's got her whole baby. life in front of her. She's That's my great. baby. She, you know, she's the only one of my seven children that I've been with since birth with no jail. Oh, wow. Special, so her yeah. and I, we're joined at the she, And she's the youngest. She's the youngest. She's the baby. I can't believe that your baby is 21. I can't believe that you're older than us, but whatever. That's all. Well, I mean, I, have, I just don't understand. Italian, again, Italian. So we look much, okay for our age. He lived through so much stress looking over his shoulder. You should, I don't even understand that. We need your diet. We need your workout routine. We need the restaurants. And all your girls. And all, all, girls. all your girls. My daughters, my daughters, every one of them and my wife are into fitness 24 seven. As a matter of fact, I call them uh, Franzi's fitness freaks. Because <laughs> diet, exercise. I mean, they went today for an hour. My one daughter is a trainer. She's a personal trainer. Oh, if I show thanks. you a picture, her, you go out. My wow. other daughter is, uh, she works at Grit. She's a cyclist. She does all that. Oh, spinning, daughter, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. she, she, uh, Love she it. 20 miles a day. I don't know what she's doing. She's always running and taking care. Their diet drives me crazy because everything is healthy and organic and and, you yeah. Know, I want you know, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so they're I'm kind of that way too. She's that way. That I don't way exercise and I eat like a garbage. I make you exercise. We exercise. <laughs> anyway, well, for what I look like, certainly from the inside out, because they take care of me in that regard. Oh, that's good. That's nice. good. Michael, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for joining us. This I'm so been... happy you, you spent all this time with us today. I'm so grateful. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, thank you. Have a great thank week. you. Have a great Have night. a great weekend. Good luck. I hope this thing really goes the distance for you, really. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Busted and readjusted. That's our motto. <laughs> all right. Keep it going. Bye-bye. It was great having Michael Franzisi. Michael Franzisi. Yeah. Or Francis. Oh, God. He's going to come back and we're so excited. And we're going to have his wife on and his daughter. Oh my God, I want to. I really want to have his wife and daughters. God. She's a gangster They're goddess. Little, those kids are gangster goddess babies and the mommy's yeah. a gangster goddess. So tune in next week for our first Soprano ever. rewatch. So excited. Yeah. Season two, episode one. Getting into it. And um, diving into it.
smashing that smashing that also, episode. Also, I just I just want to say one one quick thing. If you guys are interested in Michael, he has many books out there, and so does his wife. I don't know all the names of them, mm. um, but if you look him up, you'll see. You, I mean, we're gonna have all his information on our site. Yes, uh, check it out. I can't wait to get all the books because he's sending them to us. I can't wait. Um, special thanks to our sponsors, HelloFresh and Tushy, <gasps> the best show. Don't if you'd like started. to support our show, show some love to our sponsors. And subscribe now to our show, Gangster Goddess. Broadcast. Hit that button, Gangster Goddess Broadcast. The GGB. Subscribe, people. Subscribe. Smash that button. Smash it. Rub it. We're just going to dra- drag this outro out as long Forever. as we can. We just don't milk it. We, we don't, we don't can want you to leave. <laughs> what was that? You know what I like doing? The robot. I was milking. Do you like that? Oh, you were milking the kiss milking cow. What's like I was. One? Okay. Well, that's what Bama does. This, this we're TikTok 90, thing. I don't know. We're 90 and we're TikTok. Things. I know. I'm just going to okay. sit here and Anyway, thanks for hanging with us. Gangster Goddess. Bye, guys. Gangster Goddess Broadcast is a UV Ways and Monkey Mind Music Group production. Produced by Margot Carmichael, executive produced by Dre and Chris, and theme song by UV Ways.